clutch. The paper cover was now torn, but its cheerful, familiar red was comforting, like a hug from an old friend. Amazingly, the green cloth binding beneath had made it through the attack in one piece, the spine now lumpy in places, but still strong. Early stayed downstairs in their cluster while some went upstairs to call. There was no point in waking an exhausted Juby and making him wait in line. She sat on the edge of her bunk, holding the book. She'd heard Dash read the first book of rhythms many times and loved the smooth, rolling sound of the poet's language. Sometimes she'd heard her father say softly, What's the rhythm, Langston? while thinking over a problem or making a decision. She could picture him now, mop in hand, muttering the same question while washing the floor after dinner. He didn't have a parent or grandparent to give him advice, but Langston seemed to do it just as well. Now Langston felt even more like a part of her family. Dash had told early that his famous poet was a rainbow mix, too. Like some, and probably Dash himself, Langston had African-American, white, Jewish, and Native American roots. And like Dash, Langston had grown up with much love or a steady home. She patted the cover. Langston, she remembered, Dash saying with delight, had written the first book of rhythms after spending three months in Chicago working on poetry with kids at a lab, as everyone called it, a big, old school in the nearby neighborhood of Hyde Park. It was just blocks from their apartment. Maybe Langston had taken a walk into Woodlawn one day. Maybe he'd strolled right by their front door long before Dash was born and even past the house they later loved, the one with the cat in the window. Maybe he'd thought about dreams and rhythms while he walked. Early closed her eyes and whispered, What's the rhythm, Langston? Opening to a random page, she read, Listen to your heart. When you run or when you are frightened, excited or crying, your heart beats faster. Movement of the body or the flow of thoughts and emotions through the mind can change the rhythm of the heart for a while. Bad thoughts upset the heart. Happy thoughts do not disturb it unless they are sudden surprises. Usually, however, the heart pumps the same number of beats a minute. Steadily, once a person becomes an adult, until he leaves our world, the rhythm of the heart is the first and most important rhythm of human life. The first and most important rhythm Early loved the way Langston made it clear in his book that most of what people think is be beautiful begins think is beautiful begins with ribbon rhythm rhythms that come from nature rhythms that are free and plentiful rhythms appear in the ways flowers grow water flows the earth moves around the sun the moon moves through their dreams and thoughts travel within their minds she watched a vein beating in Juby's neck. She pressed her own wrist with a thumb and caught her heart, saying, 
Yes, yes, yes. Try, try, try. Some was upstairs trying to fix broken rhythms. And where was Dash? Where was his heart beating at that very moment? And what was it saying? Turning her head away, she closed and then reopened the book. She now read, One rhythm may start another. The rhythm of the wind in the sky will change the movements of a kite floating in the air. The rhythm of water in the sea will make a boat rock faster or slower as the water moves. Rhythm begins in movement. If she thought of the shelter as a place filled with rhythms, it made it somehow cozier. Rhythm begins in movement. She needed another notebook to write in, a place to keep short ideas. Suddenly, from across the room, there was a scream. My baby's not breathing! He's not breathing! A young woman's frantic voice ricocheted off the hard surfaces in the room. Early popped up and looked around. People were running for help. The guard's chair was empty. A woman raced from the bathroom, half naked. Who said that? Who's got my baby? The room melted into a blur of shrieks, shouted questions, feet slap, slapping across the linoleum. Still no sound. And Juby had startled awake and was beginning to cry. Early sat back down and held him, her own thudding heart beating fast against her brothers, feeling lucky that they could cling to each other, lucky that she had him to hold and didn't have to see the young mother who was rushed by, clutching a tiny bundle of blankets, her wails trailing behind her as she flew down the stairs, rushing to save a rhythm, not missed until it's gone. Clutch. The ambulance was downstairs for a long time, its lights whirling, crazy pinwheels across the dormitory blinds. The young mother didn't return, which everyone took to be a hopeful sign. Lunch that day was subdued. Voices were kinder. Children stayed close to their mothers, who cuddled them more. Life in the shelter. Early was learning. It was a strange combination of hurry, hurry, as in getting in and out of the group bathroom fast, and wait, wait, as in waiting for food for the phone for meetings with people who talked about some about jobs, training, and where to live. Some was gone for what felt like hours, waiting first to call the landlord, then the bank, then the police department. As she had no personal return numbers for calls and fewer than 15 minutes to stay on hold, she got nowhere that day. Her biggest worry was that Dashiell would return to find their home both empty and destroyed. She wanted to leave their current address with the landlord, but he wasn't answering his phone, and his voicemail was full. That first night was the worst. Some tucked Juby and Early into the two lower bunks, hung clothing and coats around the outside, and curled up in the bunk above Juby. At nine o'clock, when the lights went out and the room was still noisy, babies cried, little kids talked in loud voices, the metal beds creaked, the toilets continued to flush, Someone had a bad cough. The pearl cluster was near the bathroom, so it had more light and traffic than those that were farther away. Early tried putting the pillow over her ears, but the bed beneath was too stinky and hard. Juby was afraid, so some climbed in with him. In the middle of the night, someone ran a wet hand across Early's bare foot, which was hanging over the edge of her bunk. She shrieked, and then she heard a patter-patter of running feet.
Some banged her sore head when she popped upright to see what was the matter. The pearls ended up that night in a single bed, barely sleeping until early morning. Their cozy one-room rental in Woodlawn now seemed luxurious. Privacy! The freedom of choosing what and when to eat, of knowing that when you close your eyes at night, you were safe from strangers. The freedom of a cell phone and a job. The peace of mind that comes from being with the people you love most in the world. Each in their own way, the three pearls moaned. They'd give anything to undo the mysterious moment that had stolen Dash on that icy, dark January afternoon. Anything. Each tried to be brave for the other two, even Juby, hiding their longings as they traipsed up and down the stairs and waited in line for their food. It was odd how quickly each pearl learned that wishing aloud made everything worse. Survival was a matter of adapting, of learning how to hide in plain sight. As she dressed that first morning inside one of the toilet stalls, hopping into jeans and a sweatshirt, Early remembered adding adapt to the family word book and thinking she hadn't understood then what the definition meant. She hadn't known what it felt like to adapt. Oh, har, ha, oh, har, oh, or how hard change could be. Hold fast, Dash had said. Hold fast to dreams. The next part of Langston's poem was about life becoming like a broken bird or a field of snow. If you let go, you can do it, Dash had said next. Not as hard as it seems. But it is, Dash. It's about as hard as a rock, early thought. As tough as a diamond, the hardest of all stones that looks as clear as glass, but can easily hide a family of colors. Dash had told her what diamonds are like, and a pearl is fragile. It's never clear. How can dreamers hold fast to their dreams when every part of life goes to survival? And how can a pearl dreamer hide rainbows like a diamond without seeming to hide a thing? Wait! Why was she thinking about hiding rainbows? Suddenly she could feel Dash's mind right next to her own. She wasn't alone. Dash hadn't deserted them. He was scratching his left ear, which he always did when puzzled. He'd helped early to do it, whatever it was. Early was cheerful that morning on the way down to breakfast and her energy spilled across some and Juby like sunshine across a sill. I think we should explore the whole shelter today while some is making her calls, Juby. Let's go on an adventure, peek everywhere, and maybe we'll find some new books to read. Yay, Juby said. Maybe we'll find pirates, pirates with swords. I hope not, some said. She looked at her kids, one scratching her left ear and the other hole hopping with excitement hold fast and beware of treasure she added clutch don't forget stick close if a grown-up walks by but otherwise spy early leaned over and hissed the last word ew juby said pushing her away you spat in my ear sorry like this juby hunched his shoulders and squinted Early hit a smile. I was thinking more about detective rules, like 
see everything, but pretend you haven't. Huh? Juby said with his mouth open and his tongue sticking out. Never mind, just look. Then notice, the smallest detail may be the one that matters the most. Huh? Juby said. Like me, I'm small. Oh boy, Early said. Yeah. So we can find Dash. Juby crowed happily as they walked around the edge of the huge room where everyone ate their meals. Shh! Finders need to be almost invisible, like a lion stalking its prey, Early whispered. Juby stopped dead. Lion? I'm sad. I finished my animal crackers and they don't have them there. Early pulled Juby into a corner. Now look, you want to be a spy or not? Spies don't mind if they run out of treats. Their treat is finding a clue. Juby looked at his sister. Right, he said, although his lower lip trembled. Together they circled. Many cardboard boxes filled with Frankfurt buns, baked beans, and ketchup. Next, they came to plastic grocery bags filled with clothing, stacked high in a corner. They hurried by garbage cans that needed to be cleaned and peeked inside the swing door to the kitchen. A large man in a white cooking uniform wiggled as his little finger inside his ear pulled it out for a look and flicked whatever was stuck to his finger into the air. Juby said, guess he was finding stuff. Early laughed, squeezing his arm. You, my man, Juby, come on, let's peek in the tutoring room. Through the glass door, which was locked, they spied a bookshelf, a bunch of round tables with chairs and some drawings on the wall. A dictionary in the corner, Early said, two shelves of books and look, a paper supplies cabinet. I need a new I need a notebook and a pen. So we're coming back here this afternoon. Maybe they'll let us borrow books. And also give me something I can write in. Juby nodded. I see games in the corner. Look over there, next to the paper cups. Spies always need games. Next they headed up the stairs past the open sleeping area with all the clusters and up another flight to a floor with separate rooms. The linoleum and stairwells were chipped and worn and every worn everywhere. Perhaps thousands had scuffed, kicked and thumped their way through the endless winters. The walls were bare. Every window was covered and overhead bulbs were encased in wire as if they might escape. Some of the doors, which were black metal, stood open. Early whispered to Juby, walk by as if you know where you're going and look, but don't stare, you know, like you're not really paying attention. Juby frowned. You're not the boss of me, he said, only some and dash. Early rolled her eyes. I know, I'm just reminding you. Spies need to fit in. You want me to be finding my buddy. Don't you? Yes, Juby. Yes, Juby nodded. So, Early said, they walked. Loud arguing came from behind one door, with sounds of a man and a woman, at least two babies crying. Inside another room, boxes and open garbage bags were stacked floor to ceiling, clothes spilling outward in all directions. A TV was on in the corner. Sunlight from one window filtered through a torn blue and white striped curtain. The two bunk beds were unmade and blanketed with kids. A boy, just about Early's height, 
peeked out of the next room, which was darker. Hey, he whispered. You new here? Yup, Early said. The boy fell back inside as if pulled from behind, and a mum with tired eyes appeared. She didn't bother to say hello, but glanced at Early and Juby as if checking the weather, then told her son to stay on that floor, and don't be wandering or I'll get my belt out. You know I mean it now. The boy said, yes, ma'am, and hopped out the door, giving Early a wink. What are you doing? he asked. Why aren't you in school? He had green, down slanty eyes and smiled at Early as if he liked looking at her. She felt her face get warm. Why aren't you? Early asked. We'll be tomorrow, sixth grade. We just moved back here from another place. There was mice, and my mom says she got itchy from the mattress. Oh, Juby said. I didn't like my mattress last night, neither. And there were people coughing and talking in our room. You'll get used to it, was the reply. My name's Darren. Early and Juby introduced themselves. Where's your dad? Juby asked. Mine had money, and he's lost right now. But we're peeking out. What'd you do that for, Early? Juby's face crinkled up as he rubbed his arm, where Early had just squeezed it. Because, she said fiercely, remember... Darren nodded. I know. You're spying, right? Come on. I'll show you a few secrets. We've been here three or four times. They put us in this private room because my little brother snores and chokes all night. Shoving down one of the loops of a too short pair of jeans, he took off down the hall in a cheerful swagger. Odd tufts of hair boinged up here and there, as if he'd had a trim with a pair of gardening shears. This here end of the hall you don't want to mess with. There's a real tough dad in that room. Been at the shelter for a while and I heard him yelling last night. He's always burned about something. Once saw him pick his little baby kid up by one foot and shake him. Now, over here, nice group. You can play with those kids. You'll see. You'll learn real quick which families to hang with and when to be real busy when others go by. You know what I mean. Now here, there's a little girl got something missing, but she's real sweet. All the kids are telling me. Wouldn't hurt a fly. When I go to a new shelter, I learn all the names and get the good and the bad and guys figured out, you know, never waste no time. I don't want those bad guys to find us again early. I'm scared. Juby began to cry. They can't come in here, Juby. That's not what Darren meant. Right, Darren? Early looked sideways at their new friend as if to say, better agree, tell you why later. Darren nodded. I just meant grumpy folks, not shoe rocking evil. How many shelters have you stayed in? Early asked. She wondered what shoe rocking meant and pictured a sneaker rolling back and forth on its sole. Darren waved his hand. Early noticed a half moon scar running along the back. Somehow it looked good on him like he was proud of it. Oh, a bunch, he was saying. We're in and out. Sometimes we stay with one of my cousins until the ladies start fighting. Then we go to the train station for a night or two. And once we took a bus to another city to stay with an uncle, but my mom has, but my mom, she has trouble keeping a job and taking care of us. Cost so much to get a sitter. So we ended up back in Chicago. At least here, she knows when the free days of, for exciting stuff are. 
where to get a meal, stuff, all that. And we don't have a phone. But at least we got neighborhoods and places that we know. There's benches and parks that kind of feel homey. And at least when it's not winter. And the last time she saw my dad, it was in Chicago. So just in case he wants to find us, she knows he'll look in the shelters here. Early liked the way Darren made shelter life seem almost normal. So dads know about the shelters, she asked. You bet, Darren said. Yeah, dads can find kids, just like we see every little thing, Juby crowed happily. Early nudged him, suddenly embarrassed by how young he sounded. But Darren didn't seem to mind. I gotta head back before the mums start swinging leather, he said. But maybe we'll catch you later this afternoon, when the kids are out of school. There's a tutoring room downstairs. I was in there yesterday. And those folks are all right. Plus, sometimes they got a treat to share, even if you don't got no homework. Yeah, I already wanted to go there, Early said, and stood up straighter. Darren straightened up, too. So they were eye to eye. Here's one quick question, Early added, wanting him to stay. What was this building before it was a shelter? I think it was a funeral parlor. Then a chicken coop, Darren said with a grin, seeing Early's shocked expression. He said quickly, score! Nah, it was something like a warehouse for pet food long time ago. Then the place we eat downstairs was for the trucks. I asked the lady once. Later, he jerked his chin up in a quick salute, turned and then spun back to say to Juby, be easy, bro, your sister rocks. Juby shrugged and giggled, Early blushed. After Darren was gone, Juby practiced turning away, bending, and then spinning back, just the way Darren had. Lunch that day felt less strange than any of the other meals had been. The mom and baby who'd vanished in the ambulance weren't mentioned. There was grilled cheese, chips and grapes, even chocolate graham crackers, and Early and Juby told some they'd made a friend pointing out Darren, who was busy helping his mom and his little three little sisters, and still gave Pearl kids a secretive nod. Summer was cheerier because she'd gotten an appointment in day in two days to talk with a detective at the police department, someone who would surely listen to her suspicious suspicions. You know I will take the bus, Juby, while Early's at her new school, and maybe that'll be when we get to the bottom of this crazy mess and get some traction on figuring out where your father might be. If we need to, we'll raise such a stink that someone official will have to uncover whatever bad stuff is going on. They'll find Dash, and when they do, he can set it all straight. Then all of this will just feel like a bad dream. Funny what a difference one successful phone conversation can make. Although happy to hear her mom sounding so bubbly and hopeful, she thought the school made Early's heart drop. Closing her eyes, she sent her dad a message. Hurry up and come home, Dash. Gotta go to a new school, and I don't want to. I've had enough of all this. She opened her eyes to see Darren stare, looking at her with no winks but a tiny questioning smile. She rubbed one eye as if there was something stuck in there and straightened her ponytail. Noticing her sneakers were untied, she bent over to fix them, then watched her brother eat. She waited for Dash's voice in her head. But all she heard was the sound of Juby's sound. I'm sorry. But all she heard was the sound of Juby chewing his second cookie with his mouth open, chewing and humming. Thinking she wanted a bite, he clutched it protectively against his shirt.
When Early didn't react, Juby held the half-eaten cookie over one eye and whispered, Spies! Then popped the rest into his mouth and grinned. Early looked back toward Darren, but he was gone. She wished she'd returned his smile. <laughs>